Historic treaty signed between Canada and the White Cap Dakota First Nation. Alarming levels of toxic metals found in the snow at a school near the horn smelter in Hawaii. Some Canadians are having their tax returns seized if the government decided that they didn't deserve Serb. Mass shooting in Serbia shocks the nation and Iran seizes oil tanker, probably in reaction to the U.S. having seized Iranian oil last week. Good morning. It's Thursday, May the 4th. No, I'm I'm not making the joke. I'm Nora and here are your headlines. The Whitecap Dakota First Nation has signed a historic treaty with Canada. They are the first Dakota nation to sign a treaty in Canada. The agreement is important as Dakota communities were mostly not recognized as indigenous communities in Canada. When treaties were signed in Saskatchewan in the 1800s, the chief for Whitecap was present, but he wasn't invited to sign. CBC's Sam Sampson reports that the Whitecap Dakota are the 27th Indigenous group to sign a self-government agreement with Canada and the first signed under the new federal policy that was announced in February. Negotiations between the Whitecap Dakota and Canada started back in 2009. The Whitecap Dakota will be the only self-governing First Nation in Saskatchewan. This agreement allows the nation to move away from the Indian Act on their own terms. Chief Darcy Bear said that while they'll keep some parts of the act, like tax exemptions, status cards, and reserve status, quote, the rest will be eliminated. The Indian Act is very paternalistic, unquote. They will be able to make their own laws as well, though they have to work, quote unquote, in tandem with provincial and federal laws. If there's a conflict, Indigenous laws protecting culture and language will take priority, though the article doesn't say what happens if the law doesn't touch language or culture. The Charter, the Human Rights Act, and the Criminal Code will all still apply. The community is located just south of Saskatoon. Now to Hoi-Noranda in northwestern Quebec, where toxic dust from the horn smelter has been blowing to a nearby elementary school. High concentrations of arsenic, cadmium, nickel, and lead were found at the start of March in the schoolyard. Many residents noticed that there was more dust in their neighborhood. At the elementary school, Notre-Dame-de-Protection, they found concentrations of arsenic that were 137% higher than what is considered safe for soil contamination in Quebec. Radio-Canada's Guillaume Renaud and Jean-Marc Belzile talked with Marise Bouchard, a Canada research chair on environmental contaminants, who said that if she lived there, she wouldn't even let her children outside. The dust was reported on March 7th, but public health didn't issue a preventative notice until March 11th about the dust on the snow in town. On March 15th, parents were contacted at the school to say that there had been some dust outside that meant that children had to stay indoors. But parents were not told about the levels of dangerous materials that were present. The Ministry of the Environment took samples on March 11th and insisted that 10 days later, there be a decontamination effort at the school and in neighboring areas. Despite all of this, the horn smelter insists that their industrial waste doesn't contain arsenic. Last month, Glencore threatened to close the smelter if Quebec placed too many environmental demands on it. Radio-Canada has reported that Glencore has many times questioned the scientific validity of many of the environmental measures that the province wants them to meet. The company has until November 2026 to give the government its environmental mitigation plan. In March, as the environmental tests were being done on the snow at Notre-Dame-de-Protection, it was announced that Glencore was buying 82 buildings around the smelter and the province would pay to move more than 200 households to a new neighborhood. 
The air around the horn smelter is some of the most polluted in Canada. Glencore saw their profits in 2022 increase by 60% thanks to surging coal prices driven by Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Glencore made $34.6 billion in 2022. Next, from the Department of the Federal Government turning the screws to you, CRA, even though its workers were still on strike as of last night, has been clawing back people's tax return if you're an individual that had an issue about how much SERB money you received. If CRA determined that you were ineligible, CRA is using this year's tax refund to take that money back. Already, they have clawed back nearly $1.4 billion from people who received SERB. The Minister of National Revenue, Diane Leboutier, who I mentioned yesterday because she had to disclose oil and gas stock ownership, refused to comment. Her office instead told CBC News to talk to CRA. Darren Major's article talks to several people who've been snared by this, but doesn't mention if similar punitive measures are being waged against companies who received the wage benefit, even though they churned out huge profits in 2020, like Rogers and Bell. Considering how low their taxes are already, maybe they don't have any money to claw back. And the CRA strike? That ended this morning. Workers will be able to now vote on a tentative agreement. Now to Belgrade in Serbia, where a horrifying mass murder has resulted in eight students and one guard being killed. The murderer was just 13, and he called police after the attack. Despite having lots of guns left over from the wars in the 1990s, school shootings are rare in Serbia. None have been reported in recent years, reports the Associated Press. The last mass shooting happened in 2013 by a Balkan ex-soldier. He killed 13 people, including his own family members and friends. In this case, the shooter made a list of the students that he wanted to target. While it's not clear if the people he killed were the people on that list, seven of the eight victims were girls. Because the shooter was a child, he can't face charges. But he was carrying two guns that his father owned and four Molotov cocktails. The father has been arrested and his mother has been detained. The Associated Press quotes Branko Runic, the country's education minister, who was very quick to blame, quote, the cancerous, pernicious influence of the Internet, video games, so-called Western values, unquote. The article continues, such criticism is common in Serbia, where pro-Russian and anti-Western sentiment have thrived in recent years. And finally, Reuters is reporting that Iran has seized a second oil tanker in a week. It was passing through the Strait of Hormuz and was flying under a Panama flag. The information is being reported by the 5th Fleet of the U.S. Navy, which is based in Bahrain. The U.S. State Department has called for the tanker's release. Iran has said that the oil tanker was, quote, seized on a judicial order following a complaint by a plaintiff, unquote. It had been traveling from Dubai towards the UAE's Fujairah port. The tanker is owned by Grand Financing Company and managed by Smart Tankers, a company based in Greece. Another tanker was seized in the Gulf of Oman last week. This tanker was flying a Marshall Islands flag. Reuters says that about one-fifth of the world's crude oil passes through the Strait of Hormuz, which separates Iran from Oman. On April 28th, the U.S. confiscated Iranian oil that was on a tanker called Suez Rajan. It was near southern Africa and sailing under a Marshall Islands flag. Many see Iran's seizure as a response to the U.S.'s actions. Those are your headlines for this morning. It is Thursday, May the 4th. Not saying it. I'm Nora, and I hope you have a great day. Sorry, I'm not a Star Wars fan.